Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the show. And I just want to thank you for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket, the hub for medical leaders and influencers to share ideas, to improve outcomes, and defeat the common enemy, which is inefficiency and bad outcomes. You could have done a a million things today, but you decided to hit the play button. And for that, we're going to give you a great show. Today, I have an outstanding guest on the show. His name is Andrew Ray. He's a director of professional revenue cycle at Stanford Children's Health in San Francisco. He's done so many things in healthcare throughout the past years, but he has a focus and a keen attention on the patient experience and improving clinical outcomes. And he's worked with various of the executive folks across the institution to improve outcomes and bring efficiencies to the system. I wanna just turn over the mic to Andrew and have him fill in any of the gaps that I may have missed in the introduction. Andrew, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Saul. Yeah, I think um, you know the, probably the biggest thing that we've been focused on the last four years or so that I've been there is really how do we improve um, access? And that can mean a lot of different things. So we've We've done a lot of geographic expansion, so what can we do to bring our services more out into the community and make them more accessible? We're doing a lot with digital health and telemedicine, so how can we use technology to enable those connections much more quickly? And then I think from a patient experience perspective, as you mentioned, you know, we've looked a lot of a lot of opportunities for how can we make that um, experience common and very easily accessible and easily understood no matter where a patient's coming in to our organization. So those are the things that we've really been driving towards kind of the key key things that we've been focused on for the last few years. That's outstanding. And some really hot topics that you just touched on there briefly that I'm looking forward to diving into during the show. Andrew, why medicine? Why did you decide to get into the healthcare field? I knew from a pretty early age that I wanted to be in the healthcare field. It was just something that I've had, you can call it a calling or just something that I knew that I was passionate about wasn't quite sure how I would land in that. There was a time that I thought that I might go the medicine route, but as I got into kind of a business and economics degree and understanding, that's where I really felt like my skills and interests lie. So to me, it was a great way to marry that with something that has a really strong purpose. Obviously, everyone needs healthcare at some point or another. So being able to work in that field and make that experience as good as possible for the folks needing that, because typically it's not necessarily a a great time in your life when you're going through that. So, you know, if you can make that a smooth process for people or as smooth as possible, then um, that's definitely going to have a big impact on people's lives. Andrew, yeah, thanks for sharing that. You know, it's always interesting to hear the stories of why. Why did you decide to get in? Oftentimes, it's going back to the beginning of, of our journey that really reminds us and sparks the fire once again of, of sort of why we got into it. Oftentimes, I feel like we, as healthcare leaders, just get are so deep into the trenches that it's a must to be able to go back to the beginning and garner that time when we made the decision to get in. So I appreciate you sharing it. It sounds like it started early on and you're focused on making that experience that's challenging for people, making it at least the best that it could be. Definitely. So as you've 
been in, in this uh, business for many years now. What would you say with the changing times and things that are happening is a hot topic that should be on every medical leader's agenda? And can you tell us how Stanford Children's is addressing it? So I think the overall view of access is a very much a hot topic, and that can come from a lot of different angles. Given our current political climate with healthcare reform, access could be impacted greatly through that in terms of what's the funding available for folks that have less ability to access healthcare and how is that going to impact how that might potentially impact folks, you know, moving more towards the ED again versus being able to access a little bit more proactively. I think that's, you know, one area that we look at. Again, I think from a from a perspective of how do you engage folks at a bunch of different points throughout the journey. So for our organization, historically we were very focused on tertiary and quaternary care for you know pediatrics and obstetrics, which is a pretty specialized and niche area. But a lot of what we focused on is how can we have a much more comprehensive system and a much more broad spectrum of care. So all the way from general pediatrics and basic obstetric care all the way through those specialty care and and what sort of value can we bring folks from accessing us early on and then having, you know, the full accessibility to that network. And, you know, I think it's a it's a difficult thing to get people to understand until they need it. And so, you know, fortunately the vast majority of our patients never need that full spectrum of care. So sometimes it can be a little difficult for them to understand why does it make sense for me to be part of the Stanford Children's Network, but as soon as they need it and they've got that quick accessibility and they're able to get into, you know, see some of the top clinicians in the world, that value flips pretty quickly for them. For sure. And it's this idea of, you know, population health, catching the patient from really when they're healthy. I've heard many times this idea of it's sick care versus health care. And so what's an example of, for instance, that you guys are doing in the community to help get these folks in? Because I know it's a really common challenge to address this goal of access, especially at the early stages of dealing with the patient. Yeah, so there's a, a few examples of that. I think the first is the geographic expanse that we've done. So historically, We have a 311-bed hospital, and we had a lot of clinic space kind of on the Stanford campus right around that. And that was our entire footprint. And over the last four or five years, we've now got 65 sites in about a three-hour radius around the Bay Area. So from a geographic perspective, yeah, that's really changing the accessibility and the geography and the traffic and everything within the Bay Area. If you don't do that, then even though someone may be 20 or 30 miles away, you're not accessible to them because of you know what it would take for them to get to you on a regular basis. So that was one thing. I think another thing related to that is we really kind of flipped our revenue model. We had been, been very hospital-driven. Um, everything was hospital-based from a revenue perspective. And we moved a lot more to the kind of clinic and physician-based model, which in a lot of cases, as we were moving services away, was leaving revenue on the table compared to our historic mode of operating. But, you know, we felt it was the right thing to do in terms of improving accessibility. So a big part of accessibility is the financial experience. And so if you're, it's much easier to access your services financially for patients, then um, again, that's that's breaking down one of the barriers to accessibility. And then I think one of the, probably the third thing that we've done is, is really trying to bring a comprehensive group of services together in a single place. So we've got, might get this wrong, wrong off the top of my head, but I think we've got about seven multi-specialty sites um, that are part of that group of 65 or so. And those areas were really able to still bring the multidisciplinary approach that, you know, we have 
that we've kind of built up from an academic mission perspective and at our hospital, but again, kind of out in these community settings. So I'm really proud of a lot of the programs that our teams have built in terms of, you know, if a patient has spina bifida, that's a good example. They're able to come and get a visit with, you know, five to eight different specialists and care providers all at the same time and about a you know, four-hour appointment window. We're able to coordinate all of that. And again, from an accessibility perspective, that's huge as opposed to maybe having to come every single day for multiple weeks to see all those providers. So what can we do to really improve that experience? I think you know, we're doing a lot, of, a lot of things around that that are really great to see. Andrew, that is definitely a lot to be proud of. And the efforts that you and your colleagues over there are, are doing to bring access to the patient is, is huge. And the takeaway there for the listeners is when we think about access, it's not just financial. I think a lot of folks tend to think about access as a financial thing. You have insurance. And when we talk about access, Andrew Ray here just kind of walked us through a trifecta. It's financial, it's geographic, but it's also efficiency driven. Is your patient going to have to bounce around from clinic to clinic to get the entire continuum of care taken care of for whatever they might be going through? So when looking to increase access, let's focus on these three things. And Andrew, I just want to thank you for giving us some really great examples that uh, we could take notes from and, and action. Yes, definitely. So can you give the listeners an example of how you and your organization have created results, maybe improved outcomes, increased profitability by thinking and doing things differently? Yeah. So, you know, one of the most staggering examples to me is that five years ago, we had 160,000 ambulatory visits. And this current year, we'll end up somewhere around 550,000 ambulatory visits. That's a huge (laughs) increase. (laughs) Exactly. That's very staggering. And there's obviously a lot of work that goes into that. But improving access was probably the biggest thing driving that of having more sites, getting more folks out there, kind of changing the way that we operate. So, you know, that's obviously a huge number. And there's financial metrics and things that kind of back that up as well. But I think, you know, with that, again, we had to look at how are we going to deliver that care? The cost model of how we had historically delivered care from a hospital perspective is extremely expensive, especially in the barrier, and especially with kind of the specialty nature of our providers. So how could we look at things differently and bring a different model of care from a cost and financial perspective out? And that was just a huge change for our organization, you know, all of our financial models, all of our financial systems and everything were very driven towards how we had operated for the past 20 plus years prior to that. So it took took a lot of work. I, I think that we still got a lot of work to do actually around that, but changing the way the organization thinks about that. But yeah, I mean, ultimately seeing the results at the end of the day of how many more patients we're able to take care for and bring that care to is just an amazing number. It is. And, and the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, no doubt about that. So with the uptimes also come some downtimes. And so I feel like as leaders, we oftentimes learn more from our setbacks. Can you share a time when you had a setback or failed and what happened, what you got out of that, maybe an aha moment? Can you take us to that moment? Sure. So I think one of the things that we're really struggling with right now is that we've had, again, we've had a lot of this growth kind of in our ambulatory, um, more community-based settings. We're at the same time also in the process of finishing up a 500,000 square foot addition to the hospital, which has been, is obviously a very expensive uh, project, especially in San Francisco. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, we're competing with the likes of Apple's building a big campus and a bunch of other things. So from a resource perspective, that's been very constrained. So, you know, we've had a very tough financial year 
after we've had kind of all this success and things to celebrate for the last few years. And now we're in the middle of this very tough year that we're trying to get through. And again, I think a lot of the work that we've done to drive efficiency, both from, you know, our cost structure, but, you know, how we get patients in and those sort of things is helping us weather the storm. But the reality is that it's a, it's a very difficult time, but I don't think, I think if we had not made the moves that we'd made previously, that this would be even tougher. So, you know, a lot of our focus is, again, we've made a lot of investments and we're kind of at the point right now where a lot of that investment is going in all at once. And, and you know, for the first time, the organization had budgeted for a loss in the history. And so that's very difficult for a lot of folks to to understand and comprehend, but that's just the timing of how things fell. But realizing that this is truly a big investment that we're making now and how it's going to tee us up for the years to come to, you know, really get a lot of great success out of that and and kind of get the organization where we need to be to. So it's been hard. And I think just getting folks to understand that we're in this together and we're, we're ultimately moving in the direction that we think is the, the right way to go. Andrew, thanks for sharing that. You know, and, and I think that there's a lot of systems that are going through the same, just having to be on this tightrope of building out to accommodate the populations that we serve. And at the same time, having to, to be responsible fiscally, it's a tightrope that we walk on. And this is really a, a call out to the leaders listening to the show is that yes, you know, this is it's imperative that if healthcare outcomes are to improve that we step up to the plate. And oftentimes it means challenging times. It means weathering the storm. And what ends up happening when we weather the storm is we become stronger as a system, as people, as leaders. And Andrew, from what it sounds like, it sounds like right now it's it's a tough time. But when you emerge from these investments, I think what you guys will find is is a stronger health system. I definitely agree. I mean, just it's again, it's kind of been an amazing testament to the team to see how everyone's really stepped up to the plate um, in terms of bringing ideas forward, bringing continued means for us to gain efficiency, gain cost savings, find new revenue opportunities, all of the things that you need to do in these settings. And I completely agree. I think it's it's extremely challenging, but it's pretty easy to to lead and have good, you know, when the, when the times are good. And as you said, I think ultimately this will make us much stronger once we're able to get through it. That's exciting. And so let's flip the coin on it then. So tell me about your proudest medical or healthcare leadership experience to date. So when I was hired, we were starting to build out our community-based physician network. So we were doing a series of acquisitions, hiring, building new sites. You know, there was just a lot of change, a lot of things going on at the same time. So that's what my original role was focused on, was kind of building and setting up the revenue operation to support that. So it was a new system new people in a lot of ways, a lot of new sites. And so how do we get folks up all kind of up and running and, and have these those transitions happen as smoothly as possible? At the same time, we were also completely changing our EMR and revenue cycle system and going from two different EMRs and three different revenue cycle systems onto an overall system-wide approach. And so it was just a very high level of change all at once. And I think the the outcome of that that I'm most proud of is the fact that we were able to really have an eye towards the future that we had these existing legacy areas, our hospital and our faculty physician group, this new kind of community-based approach. And as we built towards the future, we said, how can we operate all together as a system so that the patient experience is better, that we're much more efficient in how we work. We have a much more 
kind of economies of skills and collaboration across teams that previously didn't exist. And so, you know, I think it's very easy in those times of massive change to just default to let's build it exactly how it is, or let's just kind of get through it as quickly as possible. And, and our team really stepped back and said, you know, how do we want this to look in the future? And let's build towards that. And that's going to change a lot of how we work. And, and let's use this opportunity. There's going to be a lot of change for pretty much everyone in the organization, clinicians, staff, and everyone. And let's use that opportunity to, you know, if we're, if we're already changing things, let's kind of change how we work together, how we collaborate. And we can enable that through our system and our processes. And so, you know, through that process, it was, again, not always smooth and sometimes painful, but as we've come out of the other side of that, you know, we're collaborating together and working ways together that we never did before. We've had amazing gains in efficiencies and cost savings from how we were operating previously. For my specific areas, our physician areas, you know, we've doubled our revenue, over tripled our volume, and our costs have actually gone down by about half um, wow. in that same time. So. None of that would have been possible if we weren't really building towards that future future state. So again, as I, as you mentioned at the start, it's pretty easy, I think, to get down in the weeds. But as you you know, as we step back and reflect on that a little bit, you know, it's definitely something for our team to be very proud of. Andrew, this is such a great point that you just made. You know, this idea of what is your future state? And oftentimes we could get in our comfort zone because we quote unquote know what works. But what's happening and what worked last year in these changing times, it may not work five years from now. In fact, it won't work. And so what is that future state? And, it, you know, the power of being clear about what the future state is, what it's going to take, how it ties into the mission of the organization is pivotal. And again, right, I, I kind of go back to the numbers. The numbers don't lie. When the revenues double and you cut your costs in half, there's a reason for that. That doesn't just happen on accident. And so driving that vision, changing the model, and it sounds like you guys are about to do it again. So really awesome experience that you shared with us. Yeah, thanks. So, you know, Andrew, this is the part of the show where we build a medical leadership course. And so let's pretend you and I are building it and we're, we're putting a syllabus together. It's the what it takes to be successful in medicine today, the, the 101 course or the ABCs of Andrew Ray. I'd like to write out the syllabus to the course right now with you by getting your brief answers to the following questions. You up for it? Sounds good. Awesome. So what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think focusing on the fact that there's a bunch of different times to engage in measuring outcomes. I think, as you mentioned previously, you know, a lot of times we focus on outcomes when someone's sick, but we don't necessarily focus on the outcome of keeping someone well or preventing them from needing sick care. So I think the biggest thing to me is how do we measure, and quite frankly, from a financial perspective, reward folks that are, that, you know, systems and providers that are able to keep people well and keep them from being sick. And there's definitely a lot of discussion around that from a value-based care perspective and those sort of things. But I think we're very, very much at the forefront of that and haven't necessarily figured it out. But I think that's going to be the major driver of, you know, how do we measure and improve outcomes? Huge. And what is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid as you're measuring these outcomes at the different stages? I think that especially as we have changing models, it will be very easy to have knee-jerk reactions to things. If you see something going off course or if you see something that was unexpected or, you know, potentially something that looks negative, I think it would be very easy to just want to 
tear it apart and kind of go back to what you know. But how do you maintain that focus towards building towards something that you believe in, building towards something that's really going to create the change that's necessary? You know, how do you lead through that? It's not it's not always easy, and you're going to get pushed back and those sort of things. So how do you make sure to keep the focus of the organization towards what's really important? That's great. And how do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think the best things that we can do is how do we get easier ways for patients to access and understand our organization. And a lot of what we're finding, especially in the pediatric and obstetric space with generally a a younger population, Mm -hmm. is how do we enable more connectivity via mobile, via web, those sort of things for folks to understand what your visit experience is going to be. So is there a way for us to communicate ahead of time of to set some expectations of what that visit might be like? So if you're seeing, again, that multi-specialty area, if you're seeing multiple providers, how can we set that up so that it's not such an overwhelming experience when you're there? The financial piece is always very difficult and has become more and more difficult for folks to understand that they've had more out of pocket. So how can we simply provide that information, have it very accessible, and then explain what's going on? You know, I think those are some examples of things that we're moving towards. And then, you know, also how can we help predict what that financial experience is going to be in advance? You know, that's a very difficult thing that I think a lot of folks are trying to do in terms of estimating cost of care. And there's a lot of different inputs from the provider side, from the insurance side, and you know the patient's own experience and situation as well. So it's not a very easy thing to solve for. But I think you know as we look at those areas, I think that's how you ultimately get folks to better understand what they're partaking in. Again, most people don't want to participate in healthcare. They do so more of it a necessity. So it's not something that they are necessarily expert in. So how can we help bridge some of those gaps? Got it. And what is one area of focus that drives and should drive everything else in the hospital or in the company? Well, I've, I've already said it probably a dozen times, but access. <laughs> um, you know, access you, is king. <laughs> <laughs> um, ultimately, you know, we need to be accessible. We need to have a wide spectrum of care. We need to be accessible. It means a lot of different things that you can get into CR providers when you need to. There's We struggled, especially in some of our specialty areas of having three and six month wait times in certain areas. So again, how can we be more efficient to get more patients in and reduce those wait times? You know, there's a lot of different ways that access plays in, but ultimately I think that's the primary focus for our organization, regardless of what care you need, you know, if it's primary care or major specialty or surgical care um, across the board. Access is king. And there you have it, folks. So really being able to measure outcomes at every stage, not just when the patient walks into your doors, being able to not react, but act as a leader and being able to influence the patient through technology is staying ahead of that change by keeping them involved and, and accessing them, giving them the opportunity to access this healthcare. And finally, access is king. Andrew, thanks for sharing that. What book would you add to the end of this syllabus as a must read? for our listeners. So, you know, I ex- I've explained a little bit what our organization is going through and we've got a, an annual kind of leadership meeting that our executive leaders pulled together. And this past year, I think it was in December, we had a speaker come who, who has a book. He's a former naval captain of a nuclear submarine. His name wow. is a Captain David Marquet. And he wrote a book called Turn the Ship Around. 
and is now kind of doing leadership series and, and presentations and things based around that. But basic gist of the book is that he was tasked with taking over the worst performing boat in the entire Navy and pretty quickly within a year or so had turned it from worst to first in a way wow. and, and talked about how he led and how he empowered through that. And I think for healthcare organizations, I don't think that we look enough to other areas to gain insights from. I think we always look, you know, like healthcare organizations. And so this book was really great for me in terms of seeing, you know, how does someone in a very rigid situation, you know, the military lead and kind of bring new ideas and empower folks to, to really take ownership over their areas. So that's definitely one I would I'd recommend to, for folks to pick up on and, and think about how they can relate that to their own situations. Turn the ship around. And Andrea, you know, I actually, when you told me that story about the captain, I, I got goosebumps just because I couldn't help but just uh, imagine this whole situation with the worship. And oftentimes we do find ourselves in a ship that's just so big and difficult to control, especially in the rigid systems of healthcare. So what a wonderful book to suggest. And that one's going on my list and Outcomes Rocket listeners, I hope you add it to yours as well because it definitely sounds like a good one. Andrew, I just want to conclude by asking you to share a closing thought and then share where the Outcomes Rocket listeners could get a hold of you. Sure. So, yeah, the last thing to share is just that ultimately being able to reflect on what we're doing at the end of the day is what we should all be doing in healthcare. So you made a great point early on, Saul, that I think we can get bogged down in the, the minutia of our daily jobs, but you know, finding ways for yourself and for your team to reflect on ultimately what you're delivering at the end of the day and how can you bring that story to your teams. You know, I know for our team, we're not we're offsite, we're in a kind of administrative building. So we spend our management team spends a good bit of time of how do we find those stories that really show the work that we do and how we impact the organization and bring those forward. And I think we've found that that can be really beneficial to the culture of the organization, the buy-in, and and how folks are able to get through the challenging times. So, you know, definitely think keeping that perspective and, and finding ways to bring that to your team um, is very key. And then in terms of uh, contacting me, I'm A Ray, A-R-A-Y, at Stanford Children's. That's with an S on the end, dot org. Fantastic. Andrew, thank you so much for the opportunity to spend time with us on the show. I know that the conversation that, that we just had is going to create a ripple effect somewhere in some way with one of the listeners or many of the listeners, and it'll lead to that tidal wave that creates the change and improved healthcare outcomes and access, of course, <laughs> that we're looking for. And so just want to say big thanks to you. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 